And welcome to a new episode of PR360, and I'm your host, Brett Deister. And this week, we have Robin Hanna. She is the Senior Director of Global Communication at Dynamic Signal. She also loves to give back and loves to give information to PR pros alike. She's part of the Reagan Leadership Council. She's part of the Forbes Communication Council. She's also the Silicon Valley IABC Board of Directors as Vice President of Communication and Technology. She's basically an all-around great person to have on the show. So welcome, Robin. Thank you. It's great to be here. And my first question to you, as I ask all my guests, are you a coffee or tea drinker? That's a hard question to answer. I think if I was in a coffee shop, I would always choose coffee over tea, but I do drink kombucha every day which is a fermented tea and i have quite the stash of tea at home but coffee first it's, it's my morning go-to i pre-make cold brew every week this by the way for coffee lovers this is a great hack so I'll pre-make cold brew so it's extra concentrated and then i just heat up water in the electric kettle to make like pour into the cold brew so you have a hot cup of coffee and it takes less time in the morning but it's still better i think than making your coffee fresh every day but i have a pour over system if i need to do that but i've also been on the mushroom coffee kick lately so i'm drinking a lot of the mushroom coffee with adaptogenic herbs which is probably blasphemy for you all right i enjoy pour over during the weekends yeah it just takes too much time for a weekday thing it does i distinguish during the week as work coffee which is the keurig and then weekends is pour over coffee i like it <laughs> and why did you decide to be a PR pro? That is a great question that I cannot answer because I don't think I ever decided that. I think I fell into public relations and communication and I didn't even know what it was when I was getting into it. I was a theater major in college and a dance minor and I became a high school English teacher <laughs> Then I went to work for a tech company after doing some work in nonprofits, and I just sort of fell into a marketing communication position. And from there, I was growing in my career. I had some fantastic mentors. I joined a company called You Send It, which you may or may not remember. They later rebranded as Hightail, but it was one of the first Silicon Valley FTP replacement staff companies. And I was hired into a marketing communication position. And shortly after I got hired, we parted ways with the CMO and I inherited public relations and worked with our PR team. But I just kind of got dropped into the deep end of it and did a lot of homework and a lot of reading and a lot of seeking out information to quickly learn how to do it well. And I got started into PR that way. So it was never really a choice, but it felt like it was really well aligned with a background of storytelling, which is really what you study in theater and marketing communication was always about just how you tell your story in public relations is identifying your different audiences and telling your story in a way that will resonate with them. So basically what you're saying is that life told you this is the direction you're going to go and you're like, all right. Yeah, I grew up in Silicon Valley and swore I would never work in tech. And here I am. <laughs> it had a gravity to it that I couldn't escape. All right. And for those that may not know, what is IABC? Sure. IABC is the International Association of Business Communicators. IABC is designed to serve professionals in the field of business communication, internal and external. They really bring together this professional collective of practitioners across disciplines. They are the organization that truly set the global standard in communication. They have educational offerings, they have certification programs, awards, huge resource library of tools for internal and external communicators. They have a huge annual conference that I'm actually speaking on next week. And they're really large international presence for all communicators and they work to serve the community of business communication professionals and help drive innovation in our discipline and they exist in every major area internationally so if any listeners are not yet a part of IABC I encourage you to check out your local chapters 
there's, um, you could just go to IABC.com and look up your local chapter and hit up a meeting and check it out. It's a great group of professional networking. And I think more important than ever right now to just stay connected to a great network of practitioners and leaders and thoughtful innovators who are pushing communication and public relations forward and helping us better serve our companies and our employees. So it's similar to, let's say, PRSA. Correct. Yes. IBC has had more of a historic focus on internal communication. And PRSA has been more about public relations, obviously, the Public Relations Society of America. So just as PRSA has their certification programs with your APR, IABC has certification programs for internal communicators also. And what would you recommend our listeners? Would you recommend them really dive deep into these types of organizations because it will help? Or should you be like soft treading, like test the waters? Like how has it helped you become a better professional? Sure. Yeah, I think it depends on where you're at in your career and what you're doing in your career and what your needs are. There are a lot of really incredible resources available on the internet for free and paid webinars or content libraries. So, you know, a lot of organizations provide internal training for a big company and they have a huge internal or external communication team and you can get great mentorship internally. That's awesome. But I also think it's really important that we seek outside perspective because we can get a bit myopic in our own company sometimes and you want to know what other people are doing and saying and what's working for them. I think both PRSA and IABC have been a member of both. I obviously serve on the Silicon Valley Chapter Board of Directors for IABC. They have been incredible resources for networking, for having other people you know and trust you can bounce ideas off of. They also have constant best practices and thought leadership that they're putting out, reminding us to continue to learn and improve and grow, which I think is really critical. So. You know, everything is an investment of time. You kind of have to do your personal SWOT analysis and decide how much you want to invest in where. But I can say for sure that your network is a critical part of your success. A friend of mine, Porter Gale, wrote a book called Your Network is Your Net Worth. And it's very true that the way you fortify your experience through your career is through your network. And these organizations provide great resources for connecting with people who also want to do better at what we've chosen to do with our lives and in our careers. Nice. So basically make sure your network is great is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And that you continue to learn, right? The world evolves so quickly. What public relations is today is not what it was five years ago. What communication is today is not what it was three years ago. And what we're seeing right now, especially, is that you cannot silo out internal comms and external comms. Public relations also is not just media relations, which is something that I think people sometimes misunderstand, that public relations is how your brand shows up publicly in every touch point of that potential brand experiences. Public relations is how you are perceived. It is brand sentiment. It is voice and tone. It is where you show up, with whom you are connected. And that starts with your employees. They are a core audience. They're just as important, if not more so, than your media audiences or your social media audiences. And so the world today, people don't delineate between internal and external. Or I heard that on the news in my living room on the TV. So that's news. And I heard this on Twitter, so that's different. Like, If you hear about some breaking information on social media, you don't distinguish between social media and regular media. In the same way, employees are a core part of how you build brand sentiment. You have to be aligned internally and externally. You have to ensure that the values and the purpose and the mission that you talk about externally, you are living and applying internally as a framework for decision-making and the foundation of your culture. And so I think the need to keep learning, to keep growing, and to remain agile and flexible is critical for success because our industry just continues to shift and change. 
and more rapidly now than we've ever seen it happen before. Mm. Which brings me into my next question about 2020. And we all moan at 2020 because we feel like 2020 just beats us up every time now. What are touch points for you? What has 2020 taught you about PR, messaging, storytelling, branding? What is the three biggest things that you've learned from 2020? I've definitely personally learned how functional I can be on very little sleep. (laughs) I'll tell you that. It's been a crazy year. And actually for us at Dynamic Signal, it's been very interesting. We started the year out with a new CEO. So that was already a big change right before we went into the coronavirus pandemic and having to shift very quickly our business practices to stop travel, to work from home. We've had sort of one thing after another. Dynamic Signal makes software for employee communication and engagement, which also puts us in a unique position. It puts me in a unique position where I'm running global communication internally and externally so public relations and internal comms for a company that does this, that creates software for this. It's been a really interesting thing for me to get to watch from the inside where I see how many other organizations the light bulb has finally gone on. That employee communication and engagement, that public relations and social media and employee advocacy are all really critical charts of your business success. So I think where some of us in the industry have been saying for a very long time, people and purpose have to be the core of your public relations. It is no longer promotion and product. But that's been sort of a hard education challenge to overcome, I think, internally and externally. But what we've seen in 2020, especially when the pandemic first kicked off, is that employees were looking to their employers and saying, what do we do? How do we stay safe? What's going on? What did the government say? Are our offices closed? They had all these questions. And so employee communication started shifting. And then we started to see that as employees were talking about what their brands were telling them, what their companies were telling them, how their companies were treating them, we started to see employees talking about these things on social media and that consumers and customers were responding to what employees were saying. So all of a sudden, the employee communication and the way that a company lives its values internally was being highlighted externally with very significant consumer response. And so I think it, it really crystallized for everyone that public relations starts from the inside out and that employee communication and employee engagement and empowering employees as part of your storytelling strategy and letting employees have their own voice. So equipping them with the tools and the training, the resources they need to do it well, but encouraging them to have their own voice about your brand and sharing that with their network is a core part of your public relations. We saw, we've seen cancel culture rise up and we've seen what happens when employees from certain companies are saying we're all being laid off or restaurants are shutting down so now we can't work and we don't have health benefits because we only work part-time and consumers responding to that and employee employers and companies and brands having to come back out with a statement and saying we hear you we want to do the right thing by our employees so now we're implementing health insurance right so i think 2020 is highlighting that the way that your values are applied, public relations sort of external application where you're like, this is our mission. And it's just something that you put on like t-shirts and the wall of your office and you tweet about it. That purpose, that mission, those values are now expected to be aligned with how you do things, how you treat people, how you treat customers, how you treat employees. And the external audience just want to hear about it. They want to see action. They want to see alignment. So. I really think 2020 has highlighted for us how critical it is for those things to be aligned. And there were websites that popped up like didtheyhelp.com where you can type in a company name and find out if a company or celebrity helped out during coronavirus. 
and what they did. And then they had they had a list of like heroes and zeros, like who did great things and who didn't, who donated, who helped, who took care of their employees. I think we're seeing for sure that public relations is not just media relations. It is not just air cover for the sales team, but it's truly how you shape brand sentiment and brand experience for all of your audiences. And that purpose and people have to be at the heart of communication. And truly that communication and the actions you take and how you share them to your internal and external audiences are is, is the vehicle through which your culture is disseminated. And people want to hear from brands and buy from brands and promote brands, have values and have a purpose or a mission that is aligned with their own. So I think we're just really seeing the rise of the importance of purpose. In fact, Edelman PR just came out with some new research this week about universal demand for change in the wake of murder of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and the protests and the cries for social justice that we're seeing. Edelman Public Relations did a new study and it showed that 60% of respondents said that brands have to take a stand publicly to speak out against racial injustice. And the same 50% said that they would buy or boycott from a brand based on if or how they responded to the current protest. So brands have to act or their consumers and their customer base are gone. And there's a movement towards brands having a sense of a moral compass. There's moral obligation to do the right thing. And that is now the expectation. And public relations is a way we get those actions out into the world which is a very long answer to your question. <laughs> All good. So let's say a brand or, or a PR person, maybe by themselves, is trying to figure out all that navigating of what's the purpose of the brand? Is this the right purpose? How do you avoid being canceled by cancel culture or being completely off guard by cancel culture? Sure. I think that one if you haven't already created a clear, articulated company purpose or mission and clear, articulated and shared liberally values for your company with every single one of your employees, with your partners, with your vendors, where you say, we have clearly laid out a framework. This is how we make our choices. These are the things that we stand by. If you've not created this very well articulated and shared set of agreed upon foundational elements for your brand, you need to do that immediately because you cannot orient a team around assumptions. So when you think about what is our purpose, what are we here to do in the world? What is our mission? That is sort of your foundation. Then you need to think through what are your values? How are you going to achieve that purpose? What are you going to look like on your way there? Your values are really the framework for your day-to-day decision-making. And so you want to say, like, what kind of work environment do we want to create? People who work for us are choosing to work here. We oftentimes spend more waking hours with our colleagues than our friends and family. So we want to make sure that we honor that time and create an environment and a culture that is inclusive, that people feel valued and empowered to do their best work, and that they know how to do that because we, we've got these values, but thinking about what values are yours, there are a ton of resources out there. So one, if you just like Google brand values, brand purpose, brand mission, there's so many great things out there, but you just have to think about what you do as a company and how it can be applied about trust. Is it about empathy? Do you want to create an environment of belonging and inclusion where you value equity? Is it about excellence at all times? Our core values are we have integrity, we honor equality, we take ownership, we are mindful, we embody excellence. And there are bullet points for each of those. Every employee understands this. And so that becomes our orientation. If that hasn't been done, do that right away. Work closely with your executive team, your HR team, and make sure that you are finding ways to agree on these things and then clearly share them with your employees. When you have that framework in place, it's easier to avoid missteps because you can bounce all of your social media posts or your internal actions or 
the places that you speak or the partners that you choose off of this core set of values, right? It becomes the, the backstop that you can sort of like bounce things off of. Does this align with who we say we are and what values we uphold? So then you've got a framework that helps. If you make a mistake, you blow it, you and people do all the time unintentionally, on accident, employee has a bad day, they treat a customer badly, somebody records it, the video leaks, like that stuff happens. It's going to happen. We're all human. We all fail. And if we've learned anything in the last few weeks around these the protests and demonstrations and calls for social justice, that we all have a lot of work to do. We all have a lot of learning and unlearning to do. So we know people screw up. When you blow it as a brand, get your apology right and get it out quickly. Because I think part of how you can avoid cancel culture is when you blow it, own it. The more you, as a brand, make excuses or give some like soft apology <laughs> that is kind of hollow and like a sorry you felt that way, or well, here's our excuses and our reasoning, but we're sorry also, or we're suffering because of this mistake and we just want you to know how hard this has been for us. If nobody cares about your feelings, own it. We blew it. We have a lot to learn. Thank you for calling us out on that. Thank you for helping us become a better company doing better things in the world, treating our employees in a better way. And here's what we're doing to correct our actions. And then own own the outcome of what you've done, what's happened, and share the actions that you're going to take and ask to be held accountable. I think that what we've seen, especially during coronavirus, when brands were just blowing it with how they were taking care of employees, the ones who raised their hand and said, you know what, you're right. We're giving our part-time employees health insurance. You know what? We're right. We did not handle that well. We're making sure that they all have the appropriate PPE because they're on the front lines and we really value what they're doing for our company. The people who owned it quickly and made took corrective actions and then shared what they did and what they were implementing, the brands have come out and said, we've blown it on diversity and inclusion. We've blown it on not recognizing the ways that white privilege has impacted our hiring practices. We, we've blown it and here's what we're doing. Here are the actions we're taking. Hold us accountable. Those are the brands that are forgiven. Those are the brands that are given great. Those are the brands that that use those screw-ups as an opportunity to build trust rather than to erode more trust. So I think always, as much as we can prepare for every crisis, we've definitely learned in 2020 that there are crises that are going to come at us that we could never have imagined. The global pandemic, economic crisis, and social unrest happening within the same quarter is not something that was on my 2020 bingo card. And I think that while we want to prepare as much as we can, the real preparation comes in the sort of foundation that you set for yourself, both in your own sense of personal integrity and what you're willing to do and not do as a careful practitioner of public relations and someone who has influence in what kind of information is put out both publicly and internally at your company. That is a deep and powerful kind of power and authority that we need to honor and respect, I think, very closely. But then also as a company, having having very clear framework for how you do things, the decisions that you make and how you take corrective actions is the best kind of preparation. But then just be ready to move quick and own it. Mm-hmm. And from what I'm hearing, it's almost like, well, 2020, we really had to really understand your crisis plan. But it also seems like there's going to be a new thing, maybe like a diversity and inclusion plan that needs to be written or at least discussed on the, the PR side. Do you think that's going to actually eventually be part of PR as the relations with media, with influencers, with employees, all that stuff? Do you think that's going to happen? I think it's already happening. It's happened. There are actually organizations that have gotten this right and been calling for other other organizations, other companies, other CEOs to get this right alongside them for a long time. We, I think this is more in the forefront of the consciousness of the general population, but there's an organization called CEO Action, CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion. And they have been getting, they've been, holding major events. They have a petition for CEOs to sign, like a, a commitment that they signed for the CEO Action Coalition, 
where they are committing to diversity and inclusion. And it's the largest CEO-driven business commitment to advancing diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And right now they have over 900 signatories. And so this has been around for a few years. So we've already seen it. It hasn't been quite on the, the forefront of media, social media, communication, things like that. Most large organizations have someone leading diversity and inclusion just has been that most of the conversations are happening within an echo chamber of other people leading diversity and inclusion. I don't think it's made its way into a more integrated part of the business. And so we're starting to see that now. And just like the Edelman research showed us, brands are expected to take a stand, to take action, to be very clear about what they're doing, what they see, and that consumer decisions are being made based on those things. So Yes, diversity and inclusion is a deeply integrated part of public relations and communication. Again, because PR is not just about buyer products promoting your company, right? It's about creating a sense of emotion around your brand or your company. It's about how people see you in the market as a trusted, credible resource. It's whether or not people want to come work for you because your employer brand is strong or not. That means that PR doesn't just serve the marketing organization, doesn't just, doesn't just serve like legal, even though they might have investor relations or something like that. It's PR serves the entire organization. And so diversity and inclusion also serves the entire organization. It's like HR. Every business function is impacted by these disciplines that make our companies better. There is a ton of research about why diversity and inclusion isn't just important, it's not just the right thing, it's also beneficial for your business. So, yes, I think 100% what we saw during coronavirus and how employees and customers were all looking to the brands to find out what to do, how they were responding. I mean, I'm sure if your inbox is anything like mine, every single company that had your email address sent a message about here's what we're doing about coronavirus. Some of us are like, okay, stand down, Banana Republic. We don't need to know, right? But some of them were actually really, really relevant to your day to day. And we look to our brands to say, what are you doing? When it comes to diversity and inclusion, even more so than, than coronavirus, we want to know what are you doing. We want to know you're doing the right thing. Consumers, customers, partners want to know: Am I partnering with the company? Am I selecting a vendor who honors? activism and allyship and diversity and inclusion and equity the way that we do as a company. Because even who you bring into your ecosystem as a company, who you're connected to, we see all the time when a brand, people find out that a brand has been donating to an organization that's considered to be you know, like not doing the right thing, or they're donating to a political campaign that doesn't value equality for people or something. The brand gets called out on social, right? So the way that we are treating people, the fight against racism, the movement to be anti-racist, the movement to call for diversity, inclusion, belonging, and equity, these are things that are integrated into every part of our company, every part of our business. And it cannot be a core part of your public relations, media relations, social media, employer branding, internal communication, employee advocacy. It has to be embedded in your DNA. And because of that, it has to be surfaced in your PR activities. Mm -hmm. And how would the content for your business actually reflect that? Since I've seen COVID-19 switched PR messaging to more community-based messaging than product-based messaging, how is that messaging and content going to be changed through that? It depends on your brand. It depends on what you do as a company. It depends on your purpose or your mission and it depends on your values. So you look at those things, you look at that foundation that you've laid and that framework that you've set out for this is who we are as a company. This is what we believe in. This is our purpose for existing. This is our vision for what we're going to do in the world. And these are the values that are going to walk alongside us as we achieve that vision. That is how you start your quest for understanding how diversity and inclusion should be impacting your decisions and your internal and external voice and storytelling. A great example of someone who found a way to talk about where they stood on diversity and inclusion 
that was very much aligned with who they are and what they do as a company was babynames.com. Babynames.com is the number one source for finding names and meaning about names. They, on their front page, put out this incredible image that was so powerful and moving of all of the names of the black men and women who had been murdered by police. And they put up an image. They, the top line says each of these names was somebody's baby. And then they had all the names. And at the end of it, they said, babynames.com stands in solidarity with the black community, Black Lives Matter. So it was like, it was a moment where it's totally aligned with their brand and who they are, right? Like they, they serve baby names up for people. They create a community around people looking for names and meaning. And they're calling out that the names of these people, like that was someone's baby. And this is where we stand. They did it in a way that was so organically tied into who they are as a company and their brand. And it was really powerful. And they got a ton of traction across social media for it. People who had never heard of babynames.com have heard of babynames.com now. And so it benefited them from a PR perspective. It also benefited society for, by creating this awareness around all these names and this systemic issue. So it was aligned with their values. It was aligned with their brands. And it helped amplify them into... Um, sort of public awareness in a way that had never happened before. I think, you know, for us as a company, Dynamic Signal makes employee communication and engagement software. We help communicators and executives and leaders connect with their teams. Our purpose is about creating a connected, inclusive, and engaged workforce where people feel valued and empowered to be their best. So we were like, what can we do? We know what we're doing internally. We know how we are changing language in our job rec so that they are more inclusive and less exclusive. We are seeking out candidates from diverse backgrounds because we know that makes our brand stronger. So in the hiring side, there's a lot we can do. Several executives, including our CEO, have personally offered to match employee donations up to, I think, $10,000 from our CEO, $10,000 from our chief customer officer, and our CFO offered $4,000 of their own money match employee donations. So they're really saying, they're leaning into this. We have a diversity and inclusion employee resource group, which a lot of companies have had or are starting to have. So we had to look at all the things they're doing inside, but then externally, what could we do that was aligned with us? So we put up a landing page on our website of social justice resources for executives and communicators. And we scoured the internet, we tapped our networks, and we found some really great TED Talks or resources for reading. The employee resource group at Airbnb for diversity and inclusion put out an incredible activism and allyship guide. There are guides about tough conversation starters that you can have for people at work, how allies can sponsor coworkers from underrepresented groups, the power of mentorship. And so we just put together this great resource guide and said, okay, this is how our brand can do something that's aligned with what we do in the world, it's aligned with our purpose, but we're helping to create a sense of education. We're providing tools and resources. And so we've got this website. You can go to all these free resources that we've collected. So it takes the heavy lifting out from you and you can share them with your team. So I think it's a matter of finding ways that you take action, not just words. Just like during coronavirus, every CEO, every brand put out a statement about where they stood and some were great and some were really terrible. And some people were applauded and some were called out. The NFL putting out a statement about how they stand the black community didn't land so well after everything that happened with Colin Kaepernick, right? So they have then since come out and apologized and Robert Goodell said, hey, I'm learning a lot. Thank you for teaching me. And they're starting to shift away from that. But it's not enough to just put out a statement that you think people need to hear just to like check the box. You have to find a way to connect into your values and your purpose as a company and then show that you're taking action and steps in a way that is organic and aligned. So I think it takes some time. It takes an investment of energy. And I think this, again, is where having a great network of PR and communication practitioners and leaders from other companies can be really helpful because you've got a place to bounce ideas off of. You've got forums and conversations that you can join 
to say, what are you doing? Here's what we're thinking about. You can make sure that you're not accidentally screwing up because you have a blind spot about something that you're still learning and get support to make sure that you're helping your company do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the NFL and how can CEOs or PR people or brands avoid the inauthenticness or the going overboard of diversity inclusion? Because people have that, I guess, that threshold of they like it if it's authentic, but it can, even if it's completely trying to be authentic, go overboard. How can they at least limit the going overboard on some things? Yeah, I think it depends on what it is. I don't believe that you can go overboard in being anti-racist, fighting for social justice, and working for diversity and inclusion measures to be implemented at your company. I don't think that there's an overboard of that. It's like going overboard on like being loved too much or like being too rich. Like it's just not a thing. And but there are things where people move to a place that doesn't make sense anymore or with coronavirus i saw a lot of companies like really wanting to like hook into this but what happens is you start to introduce risk right instead of just addressing concerns and needs and staying ahead of the information you're actually putting things out there that are introducing concern or introducing risk and so i say constantly to my team they hear it from me every day probably don't break into jail i'm like don't break into jail we don't need to elevate this concern just like sometimes you'll see somebody will tweet at you like somebody's on twitter and they're like trolling and they say something inflammatory we know that responding to all of those people especially you go to their page you see everything they do is trolling nothing is positive it's all negative they're just trying to incite dissension we know it's better to not reply to that or not respond to it or not give it any airtime because you're only driving more attention to it. You're only amplifying something that doesn't need to be amplified and would otherwise not get the attention. Like having discretion around when to not amplify something, when to not give everything, all of your attention and energy when it doesn't deserve it. Having like a discernment about where you put your efforts and resources is really important because that's where you can, you can go overboard on stuff, right? You can't fight every single person on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Wherever your brand is showing up, you can't necessarily battle every single person that has a comment on everything that you do or say. And so that's, you can prevent the going too far is in trying to respond to all of those. It just doesn't make sense. It's not a good use of time or resources. I think continuing to say, again, these are our values. This is the vision we're trying to achieve in the world. This is our purpose for existing. So taking the time to do these extra five things actually makes sense for our company. There are great ideas that executives will have about how they can fight for social justice, how they can empower diversity inclusion, but they're really not aligned with the business that they're in. That's okay. Have a side hustle. Start a nonprofit organization. Create a foundation. Encourage other people in your share your idea and encourage other people to run with it, right? Doesn't mean that you have to put all of your resources into something that's great that doesn't necessarily make sense for your business. So I think it just comes down to understanding the ways that you can take meaningful, actionable steps to make important improvements in a way that's aligned with what you do and keeping in mind that we have to put our people first. You have to think employees first and then customers and then your shareholders and like kind of come after that we have to be thinking about how we can be good stewards in our community in the places in and around our offices and in and around the places our employees call home prioritizing how you're sort of taking care of all those people but also recognizing that if your business isn't strong and healthy because you're focusing on the important things your business needs to achieve you can't continue to do those things right we can't continue to donations or have great internal resources for education or mentorship if we are out of business. So you also have to remember what your company does and ensure that you are delivering on the promises you've made to your customers or consumers so that you can continue being a healthy business and continue to do more for your employees and your communities. Remember who you are, what you do, and find the balance. Mm-hmm. And let's say there's 
a couple companies, maybe small businesses that haven't done, let's say, diversity inclusion as well as say bigger businesses. What are some tips for them? How can they get started with this? Yeah, that's a great question. And even some of the biggest businesses aren't getting it right. And I actually think that small businesses have a better shot at getting it right because there's less like momentum behind the wrong thing. You're getting to like make a U-turn a little bit more easily in a smaller company. And so I think the first very best place to start is to self-educate that putting a focus on education, understanding what is happening, understanding how we got here, reading books by Black authors about the Black experience, finding the place inside of yourself to develop empathy is really critical. Having leaders understand where they maybe had blind spots, where our institutions and systems have been designed and supported to continue this codified, systematic racism for a very long time has kind of gone unnoticed and unchecked by a lot of people. So I think the very first step is just awareness and education. There are great resources, dynamicsignal.com on our homepage. There's a, a button to click for social justice resources where we've got found some great stuff from other people on the web who've done amazing things. TED Talks, they have a great playlist on like talks to help you understand racism where they've assembled a bunch of talks and conversations that people have done to help understand. So I think the first part is just taking inventory, looking at your hiring practices, looking at the makeup of your team, like understanding where you found the like, they look like me, so we hired them. Understanding what your LinkedIn and professional networks look like. And if they all look like you, it's going to be really hard to secure talent that doesn't look like you. It's going to be hard to like hear points of view that aren't your own. And so starting to sort of diversify in your own personal life and seek out different kinds of thinkers and writers and, and leaders who can show you something different, that's the first step. And then having honest conversations with your team, opening it up for dialogue, it's really scary. I moderated our town hall last week where we wanted to create a place for open dialogue for all of our employees to ask our CEO and our, our chief people officer and our diversity inclusion leader and the leadership team for our diversity and inclusion employee resource group, ask questions and give them a forum to share their stories. And you can't plan for that, right? Like in PR, we're like, okay, here are the questions you're going to be asked. Here are your three key talking points and the message we want to drive home. But like, you can't do that in these kinds of environments. You can't plan for the person who's going to tell their story about seeing racism when they were a kid or how they were discriminated against or how they just recognized the time that they failed their black friend by not recognizing what was happening or taking a stand. Like the stories that employees share and the way that like leadership holds space for those things, that's a really great place to start to build trust and foster a sense of safety while encouraging dialogue. There are other things you can do, like go to the ceoaction.com and find the pledge to support inclusion at your company. Look at their resources and say like, I want to check my bias. I'm going to speak up for others. And I want to understand how to do that. And then I'm going to get all of these resources to all of our hiring managers, to all of our teams. I think those are really great ways to start. And then don't underestimate the power of leadership at every level. There are always employees at every company, at every level of seniority and management in every kind of role who will raise their hands because they care about something, whether it's diversity inclusion or corporate social responsibility or maybe advocacy for women. There are always people who say, I want to be a part of this group. I want to volunteer here. I want to create change in our culture. And so empowering employees to offer suggestions to take leadership roles for employee resource groups or employee volunteer groups. Those are really powerful ways to share the opportunity to make these changes and not have leadership own all of those. It's really about creating 
democratizing communication and leadership across every level, democratizing storytelling across every level. And then there are other simple things like create a Google Doc, like a, a Google form where people can submit anonymous questions. It's free. It's super easy to set up a Google form. You can create questions about like, hey, how are we doing diversity inclusion? Where do you think we can improve? Like having fill out a survey or form if you don't have another way to do that. And then create a space where they can ask anonymous questions for the, the executive team to answer. And then record a video. That's what we do. We record a video. Our CEO get all the questions that employees have submitted. We don't edit them. We don't edit him. We'll talk through them a little bit and sort of our position or response. And we'll just pull open an iPhone and record him talking to the team, answering their really tough questions. And then we share it with all of our employees. These things are nearly free all the time, but the power of them is exponential and it doesn't take a lot to get started. So it seems that using, let's say live streaming could actually help with your town halls and getting more, let's say input, or at least more people involved in what your company's about, more involved in the diversity and inclusion part, but more involved in general to voice their opinion on social media or whatever, to tell their friends about, what a great place they work at or terrible if they don't agree with it. Sure. Yeah. Like live streaming is a really powerful tool for a lot of people. We, we have all hands meetings. Everyone is on zoom. Every person is up on video. The chat is open. We have an agenda, but everyone is on zoom, like hundreds of faces. Right. But then when we do a town hall, we'll do it more in kind of a webinar style where it's not a bunch of videos. It's just the, CEO and the chief people officer, whoever else is kind of speaking and maybe I'll moderate that. And then employees can submit questions being anonymous or they can raise their hand and we can turn on their video and they can join and say, Hey, I have a question I want to ask. So that way we create lots of different avenues for employees to, who may be shy or a little bit more introverted or a little bit more hesitant to ask something or we want to make sure that they feel like they're empowered to ask questions in different ways. And then for people who say like, hey, I'll be on video and I'll talk to the CEO, we do that. And then not only is it live for everyone to join in real time, but we'll also record it and send it out to all of our employees after. So that if they missed it because they had a meeting or they were on some call or they were on vacation, they can still catch up. And then we also are careful to plan it at a time when it works for the time zone of everyone. So we have employees in London and we have an office in Belfast people in New York, but we're headquarters in Silicon Valley. So you have to think through like the timing of those things also. But having everyone sort of gathered together at once in with a live video conversation that's interactive, that they can access on their mobile device, no matter where they are, that's really important. Yeah. And I have a kind of fun question for you. Is the Oxford comma the right way to do commas? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, you have to pick your battles in life. I will die on this. Oxygama creates clarity and clarification. And I don't understand why AP won't just take a stand and make it our official mandatory use of the Oxygama at all times. I am so, I get so fired up. And there's some great memes about the difference between not like using Oxford comma and not using an Oxford comma. And they're hilarious. And every time the style comes up, I just like blow somebody up with all the memes and advocate for the Oxford comma. And I just don't even understand why it's a question. I have implicit bias for the Oxford comma. All right. You heard it here. We have someone that loves Oxford comma. She probably would have a flag that has an Oxford comma on it. Wait, tell me where you stand on the Oxford comma. I'm usually for it. If someone doesn't do it, it doesn't really matter to me. I'll just be like, all right. But I usually do it because it just seems like it's right. Tell me this. How do you feel about when people put two spaces after the period? I used to do it and then I stopped doing it because I was like, why do I have to have two spaces? Right, right. We all stopped doing it. It it was part of like, APA and MLA format when I was in college, but I very quickly realized we don't do this anymore. It was sort of legacy punctuation left over from the typewriter era, but people still do it all the time. And I'm constantly correcting it. And some people don't even notice it. 
but I can't not see it when somebody types something with two spaces after the period. Yeah, that was bygone error for me too. I don't really do that anymore. I love it. See, we're all capable of evolving and learning. We can apply that to all these other issues. <laughs> all right. And final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think that this is a really exciting time in history. Even in the midst of the anger and the frustration and the sickness and the fear and all the things that we've experienced in 2020, I see hope rising. And from the perspective of public relations and communication, it is the media relations side of our job has been very challenging with a growing lack of trust in what people are reading and seeing. But what we are seeing is that people are starting to turn to our employees, they're starting to turn to company executives and say, I want to hear it from this person that I know and trust. So like as hope is rising for change, as companies are recognizing that they really do need to take care of the whole employee, you don't check your humanity at the door when you go to the office, that things like mental health and wellness are now a part of our HR practices are now part of our communication practices. Things like people and purpose are anchoring all of our public relations activities. And so I think it's an exciting time to be in PR. I think it's a really powerful opportunity that is in front of us as practitioners of public relations and communication. And I think it comes with a lot of responsibility that we need to take very seriously. But I also think that people, purpose, building brands from the inside out. COVID-19 certainly highlighted the importance of that. And also that purpose and profit are just inextricably linked. And so our role was once kind of considered soft part of business. And now we're actually seeing that it's a business imperative and that special PR takes an integrated, holistic approach to communicating with audiences well beyond those in your marketing database, well beyond those on your media list, that your brand reputation really starts inside and extends externally to the communities that your company and employees and customers call home to communities on social media that you may never really interact with directly as a brand. And so there's great opportunity for PR professionals to make meaningful social change, meaningful change in our companies, but really more importantly, I think as communication professionals, our responsibility to ensure a better employee experience, creating and disseminating values that make our employees feel proud of where they work, and making sure that we communicate them through all levels of leadership so that when employees go home from work at the end of the day, we're sending them back to their family and their friends in a better place than when they came in in the morning. That call, that responsibility is never been more important. And I think it's also really an honor to be able to be a part of people's lives this way. And this time in history for communication and PR, I think is really special. And we should all be really grateful that we get to be a part of it. All right. Thank you, Robin, for joining PR 360 and sharing your passion and your expertise in the PR industry. Thank you for having me. It's been great to chat. All right. And thank you for listening to PR 360. As always, you can subscribe to PR 360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And join us next week as we talk to another great PR professional and thought leader in the industry. All right, guys, stay safe, have fun, Get outside and I'll see you next week. Later.